0: So uh, here's why we haven't been releasing episodes for the past three weeks. Uh, On Sunday night, September 8th, oh, I I should say before we get going, this is not going to be a funny episode at all. It's going to be a very serious episode. Uh, We may make a couple jokes, but this is all 100% true. Uh, We're not making a joke here. This is actually what happened. Uh, On Sunday night, September 8th, I was driving home and I received a call from Lisa, my wife, uh, and she was telling me that she had uh, chest pains and pain in her elbow, and that she had some pain radi- radi- radiating up into her jaw. Mm-hmm. And I said, You need to call 911 and have the ambulance come and take you to the hospital. And if you're not at home when I get there, I'll, I'll come over to the hospital and find you. And. I got home and the EMTs were in front of my house. The ambulance was in front of my house and I went in and the EMTs were, were in the house with my wife, with Lisa. Uh, And they had already hooked her up to an EEG or uh, an EKG, an EKG. Uh, And they said that her heart rate looked normal, but they were going to take her into the ED anyway, the emergency department, uh, because she was symptomatic. So they, they took her in and I, I, looked at her I said is there anything you want me to get uh and she said well go get my phone charger because we you know, might be there for a while and and uh oh put the meat in the fridge so I, <laughs> I put the meat in the fridge right we'll be it back a, this
1: is an anxiety thing right, right exactly
0: <laughs> uh because on the previous Friday we had put our dog down our 16 year old dog who had been with us for obviously Kevin. 16 years um and we uh I went upstairs and I, I got the, uh, the phone charger, went back downstairs. And by the time I got back downstairs, the, the uh, EMTs or paramedics had already taken her out to the ambulance and she was in the back of the ambulance. So I got in my car and sat behind the ambulance until they pulled out of the neighborhood and I followed them over to the, to the emergency room. And when you pull into the hospital campus there at Howard County General, the ambulance goes one way and visitors and patients who are driving in go a different way. So I went a different way. So I I go over to the uh, the check in line for the ED and I got to wait in line behind the guy who's my age who's playing soccer and has broken his arm and the the woman who wants to have her kid checked out for a skin condition and, and then finally I get to the front and I say uh, I'm Joe I'm here to see my wife Lisa she just got brought in on the uh, on an ambulance for having chest pains and they give me the little thing and they they tell me to go back and I'm looking around in the uh, emergency department and I don't see Lisa anywhere. And some woman says, who are you? I say, I'm Joe. I'm here looking for Lisa. And she goes, I thought you might, you know, might be here. Just stand over there for a second. I'm like, okay. So I go stand over there. And this nurse comes up and introduces herself to me. She says, "Uh, why don't you sit down? And I said, "Uh, why? What's going on? And then the next question she asked me is, do you guys have a religious preference? And I say, what's going on? And she says, Your wife had a seizure and then went into cardiac arrest. So I I sit down in the chair and I say, yes, we're Catholic. And she goes, would you like me to call a priest? And I said, do you think that's necessary? And she kind of nods and I go, okay, yeah, go ahead and call a priest. She says she went into cardiac arrest about five minutes ago and they're back there performing CPR on her right now. So she leaves, um, presumably to call a priest. I call the kids and Jake. And I tell them, you know, it's it's time to get over here. And actually, I called Jake and I said, Jake, hand the phone to Kayla. Uh, And I said to Kayla, I told Kayla what had happened. and I said, okay, now hand the phone back to Jake. And I told Jake, just drive Kayla over to the hospital. Um, And then I called our son, Joe, and said, "Uh, you need to get over here as quickly as you can. Uh, And then after about another 10 minutes, the nurse comes over to me again and says, nothing has changed. They're still performing CPR on her, but it's been 15 minutes now. And I look at her and I, I I start thinking, of course, of a million different questions. And I, I start, uh, I actually start asking a question and I, I stop myself. I go, you know what? I don't want to know. I'll have all the answers I need soon enough, I think. Um, so uh, after about another 15 minutes, the same nurse comes over a third time and she says, you can come back in and you can see your wife now. And I, uh, they take me into one of these little nooks. In the ER, you know, these things that you sit in when you've broken your arm or when you you, you have a, a really high temperature. I don't know. You, you've been in the ER. If you've been in the ED, it's it's the same kind of thing. But I go in there, and there's, like, there's my wife laying on a stretcher, and they're cutting the last of her clothes off. And there are seven medical people standing around her. And the guy at her head, is he, he says, are you the husband? I said, yes. And he goes, I'm Dr. So I don't even remember what his name was. But he says uh, – Uh, Your wife had a seizure uh, because she had ventricular fibrillation, which is a heartbeat not conducive to life. And after that, she went into cardiac arrest, and we have been performing CPR on her for 30 minutes. Uh, We have gotten her heart to start again, and we have gotten uh, her blood pressure stabilized. The next step is that we're going to take her to the cath lab to see if she had a heart attack, and then we're going to take her to see if she has any blood clots. And I'm looking around, and there's somebody with one of those little football things squeezing the um, – squeezing you know, breath into my wife. And, um, and he says if there's anything you want to say, you should say it now. So – you all right? So I lean over, and the only thing I can think to say is three words. I said, don't leave me. And, um, I walk out of, of the room after that, the doctor says some encouraging words, but he's, one of the things he makes clear is he's been without a heartbeat for 30 minutes and there's no way we can have any, any idea of what an outcome is at this point in time. And I am like, I understand. i but it, my, I, I have no way of describing the feelings. It was was completely numbing. It was completely, uh, it can, completely blew me away. I had no idea this is what I was going to walk into when I came into the ER or the ED. I was completely expecting to see my wife. Then for us to be told, this is no big deal. You're having a panic attack. You're going to go home, you know?
1: Although I've never had one before it would have been right. Yeah. I understand where you would have seen that. Right. Given the previous week.
0: So uh, I walk out of the little nook and at that point in time, the kids and Jake had shown up and I just broke down immediately. Um, And they were very supportive and they, you know, we did a a nice group, group hug there. And we sat down with somebody, the, the, the people in the ED were great. They brought over chairs for us to sit in uh, right outside that room. Uh, And then they wheeled Lisa by us. um, And I reached out and touched her hand and it was really cold. And that was absolutely terrifying. I have no way to explain any any of this without saying it was terrifying. So they wheel her past us, and they take her into the cath lab, and we sit there for about 15 minutes, and the same nurse that asked me if I needed a priest uh, came over and said, um, uh, the cardiologist would like to speak to you. So we go in, and there's the cardiologist, and he seems like a very chipper person given the circumstances, but he says, um, he says to me that that uh, they ran a cath- catheter up from her femoral artery into her heart, and they they looked, and her her blood vessels all looked fine. So she did not have a heart attack. So, of course, the first question in my mind is, well, what happened? He goes, well, we don't know. We're going to check for a, uh, a blood clot next, because that's the next most likely thing. Maybe she had a pulmonary embolism or some kind of blood clot that happened. Uh, so... They say you can go in and see her. I said, and I, I walk in and she, and Lisa is kind of conscious at this point in time. Uh, I don't remember any of that. You don't remember any of this? Nothing. So I, I put my hand on her. And I look her in the eyes and I, I, and she is holding my hand and looking at me and she is terrified. Um, and I told her what's going on. I, I don't remember exactly what I said. Uh, but uh, I had to leave because they had to take her to get a CT scan for her, uh, for her pulmonary embolism. So the nurse takes us up to the ICU waiting room, and we're sitting in this uh, waiting room at Howard County General Hospital. And um, the intensivist comes in, is a, a young man by the name of Dr. Hooperkar. Uh, and he sits down and he tells us, he says, uh, he says, your wife had some kind of ventricular fibrillation that led to cardiac arrest, and they performed CPR on her the whole time her heart is beating Um, and her blood pressure is, is stable, but not necessarily good. Um, But he says that he was able to give her simple instructions like wiggle your toes and squeeze my hand and that she was able to follow these instructions and that that was good. So we were told we're going to wait here in the uh ICU waiting room while they bring her up. <clears throat> and, uh, they bring her up eventually. They don't come and get us right away. Uh, and then a, an, an ICU nurse comes into the room and says uh, that she had a ventilate, she was she had a tube down her throat. She was intubated, is the actual word, uh, and it means that uh, that they had a machine breathing for her. Uh, and Lisa had regained a little bit of consciousness and pulled the tube out, and they had to put it back in. And at this point in time, I said that that sounds like Lisa. <laughs> so, I'm a fighter. So they they had intubated her again, and at that point in time, they put her in her ICU room, and they said we could come in. And uh, now, they've got the tube down her throat, and she's and it's strapped around her face, and she's in a bed, uh, and they're trying to get her to relax, but she is not relaxing. And she's trying to talk and she's looking at us and and very confused because they're trying to sedate her and they've already pumped her with a bunch of sedation chemicals. So she's not really conscious, but she's not unconscious either. She's not fully sedated. So we had to stand around her trying to keep her hands down, keep her hands away from the intubation tube. And it was me, my son, my daughter, and Jake. Uh, And we all took turns just holding an arm down, two of us at a time, so that she wouldn't reach up and pull the the tubes out uh and eventually after about two hours of messing around with the the cocktails and they have they have to take this long because of because of the situation that that lisa was in with her with her heart they um they eventually got that right and uh lisa managed to sleep through the night monday night or sunday night did they meet me they did. They put mitts on you. Yeah, little mitts. They put these like boxing gloves. Hot, right.
1: Very hot.
0: Right.
2: Because you kept exerting yourself. <laughs> yeah. And we had to keep holding your arms down.
0: Yeah, it wasn't easy. I'm sorry.
2: And you were. It's all and right. It wasn't just, a, oh, I'm going to kind of try to grab this. You were putting your entire body into it.
0: You were really fighting. You were.
2: Yeah. It I was,
1: wanted to live, I think, I think. It was hard.
2: So.
0: Monday was pretty uneventful. They actually came in and they ran a couple more tests overnight. They ran a test for, um, uh, for drugs because, Oh, the, the test for the, uh, the pulmonary embolism was negative too. So now we know that she didn't have a heart attack and she didn't have, uh, a pulmonary embolism. So the next thing that they test for is drugs that came back negative. Uh, the next thing they wonder is, did she actually have a seizure? Um, and Dr. Carr was saying he, did, he didn't think she had a seizure, that they just saw her flopping around and going into cardiac arrest, and that was what they described as a seizure. So she actually had an EEG, and that was uh, where they came in. They put this helmet on her, filled the helmet full of all kinds of conductive gel, and then connected all the leads from the helmet up to, um, up to the EEG machine and then shine a bright light in her eyes and try to induce a seizure. And they couldn't induce a seizure, and her EEG was normal. So she didn't have a seizure. But they did an echocardiogram, which is like a sonogram of the heart. Uh, and when they did that, they said it looks like she has cardiomyopathy, which is, uh, they call it, a uh, the layman's term is a weak heart pump. It means that her heart was pumping about 15% of the blood that it contained out into her uh, blood vessels. Um, the cardiologist says, We don't know if this is a cause or an effect. Um, We're going to have to do another echocardiogram. This is Monday morning. We're going to have to do another cardio echogram echogram on on Wednesday. Echocardiogram. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to have to do another echocardiogram on Wednesday um, to see if her heart is still pumping at the same 15%. And the cardiologist was pretty sure that it was going to be pumping at the same rate because she didn't have the heart attack she didn't have the blood clot, she didn't have any drug history she didn't have a seizure this must be the cause right and um so we said okay that's fine uh and then on tuesday she actually let me not jump ahead to tuesday yet so she spends most of the day monday sedated happily sedated or contently sedated and then they start lowering the sedation medication uh, Monday night and she kind of wakes up and she's looking around and she's trying to talk. And I, I say to her, don't try to talk. Um, don't talk. And I say, I'm pausing because I had to collect myself here. And I, I tell her you're, you're, you're in the hospital. Uh, you had, a cardiac event called ventricular fibrillation and you were in cardiac arrest for 30 minutes and she gets this shocked look on her face and i say it's monday night and again she is she is shocked to learn that it's monday night i ask her i say do you know who i am and she nods her head i said that's good i said let me get you just hold still don't move. Don't try to breathe or don't try to talk because you have a tube down your throat. But let me get you a, uh, a, a, a chart. Let me make a chart. So I went into my backpack. I had my backpack with me. I got a piece of paper, and I wrote A, B, C, D, E, all the way down and across. And then I made a couple of small words like the, and then like a complete idiot, I and A. <laughs> Which you're already on the letterboard, right? But I did that so that she wouldn't have to look for those. You
2: over engineered the solution. I, I overengineered the
0: solution. Um and uh and I, I I held it in front of her and uh the the first thing she asks, she says she asks, Am I in the ICU? And I said, Yes. And she's having a hard time using using the letterboard, and I'm really concerned about it. And I said would you prefer to have a QWERTY letter board like the keyboard layout? And she nods her head. So I go over and I, I get another piece of paper and I lay out like a QWERTY keyboard on a, on a piece of paper in uh, landscape mode. Right. So it looks like a keyboard. And then she starts typing, hitting the letters on that very quickly. Uh, and the first question she asked was, does my mom know? <laughs> right. And I had to make the phone calls uh Sunday night to my parents and to 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 her parents to Lisa's parents about what had happened, which were two of the hardest phone calls I've ever had to make in my life i i i you know I never imagined that one day I would have to call my 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 wife's parents and tell tell them that you know that their daughter has had gone into cardiac arrest one of the hardest phone calls I ever had to make so So the next question she asks is, Does, did my mom freak out when you told her? And I said, surprisingly, no, your mom actually held it together um, pretty well. Uh, but they're going to try to take the tube out of you the next morning. So it's time to try to get some sleep. But she was conversant. Uh, she was using the keyboard very well. We actually had some visitors Monday night that came into the ICU waiting room. And uh, and and saw us. It was uh, Bonnie and Jimmy, who are Lisa's boss. And uh, Maria and Eric came in with uh, Allison and Elizabeth and Brian and uh, Sierra came by. Joey's girlfriend came by at some point in time. I can't remember if she came by Sunday night. I think she came by Sunday night, didn't she?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think yeah. so.
0: Um, And she's a nursing student, so she knows how to get into these places. <laughs> so, uh, She came in and shocked as well. But uh, I told Lisa that, that Maria was out uh, out there, and, and Lisa indicated that she wanted to see Maria. So I had Kayla run down and get Maria. Maria came back up and came into the ER, or into the ICU, rather, not the ER, but the ICU, and, and actually saw Lisa. And Lisa doesn't remember much of that. She, she remembers Maria kissing her forehead. Yeah, that's it. But that's all. So then uh, they they upped the sedation again. And they um, they put her under for the night. And Tuesday morning, she's typing again on the on the board because uh, she wakes up around six o'clock. They stop. They start lowering the sedation around six o'clock. And they um, she's uh, conversion. And and around eight o'clock, they come in and they say um, the uh, the nurse Lita, who was was Lita, right.
1: I really don't know. You remember Lita? I don't remember that name at all. I remember asking for Kayla at points. Hmm.
0: So uh, the nurse lays out the lays out this uh, blanket, this disposable blanket over top of Lisa and, and takes all the everything off and tells her, "Okay, now cough. We're going to pull the tube out."
1: I do remember that moment very distinctly. Right,
0: and Lisa coughs the tube up, the intubation tube up, and. Ugh uh as soon as that thing comes out she goes that sucked (laughs) (laughs) and she (laughs) and she uh she was able to start talking and then she started talking and uh we were all very glad that she was talking so uh tuesday afternoon people started coming by and seeing her and lisa was sitting up talking the entire medical staff, everybody, wanted to come in and see her and talk to her. It was they were amazed that Mir- somebody who would come in. They, that's how
1: many doctors came in. Doctor Trudian
0: referred to you that way, as the as the the ICU miracle or his miracle. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. So she she sits up. She starts talking. Uh, on on Wednesday, they come in and they do another echocardiogram. Uh, and the doctor, the cardiologist comes in again and he says, you can't leave the hospital without having an implantable defibrillator. Um, Mm. so we're like, okay, that's fine. On, she continued improving. They were ready to move her out of the ICU. However, there weren't enough beds in the general floor to move her out. So she stayed in the ICU. And on Thursday, um, a rep, from one of the companies comes by and and tests her for a certain type of uh, implantable defibrillator. Um,
1: Wasn't it Dr. Silverman was talking about the graham crackers?
0: (laughs) Right. He was laying out how they're going to, how they're going to, it's about the size of these graham crackers. And uh, what do the graham crackers do? Lisa says, (laughs) he goes, well, the graham crackers go in here. And then when the graham crackers see that your heart's, uh, has an irregular heartbeat, the graham crackers will shock you. He says you and,
1: didn't lose any sense of humor. Right? I was like,
0: yeah. Nope. Uh, he, he kept, she kept it together. So on um, on Friday, she actually got moved out of the ICU. And Friday afternoon, she had surgery with another another one of the cardiologists to implant the uh, the defibrillator. And unfortunately, at that point in time, I had to go. <laughs> out for a test for one of my my follow-ups on my DVT's which by the way everything seems to be fine with those <laughs> I'm I'm good. Woo-hoo! So if you were worried about that from previous episodes
2: <laughs>
0: I think I'm doing all right. So um at this point in time they advise Lisa, "Oh yeah, we didn't mention this to you before, but you can't drive for 6 months."
1: 6 months. March 6 months. Eight.
0: Right. That's when you can get behind the wheel of a car again. Who's
1: and
2: coming then, to take me Christmas And then all shopping? those drivers on the highway cheered.
1: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Nobody loves me on 29. Right. <laughs> hey, you know who I haven't seen in a while? I've seen you drive on 29. <laughs>
2: and
1: I will not man, be driving
0: like that anymore. <laughs> at
2: ru- rush hour in the afternoon, it—that's I don't drive on that road.
0: Right. So uh, I got back, and she was still in surgery, and, and uh, they – by the time uh, surgery was over, and they call us back in, and Lisa's recovering from surgery pretty quickly, and the uh, the doctor says the surgery went textbook, everything was great, everything was fine. Uh, and then at that point in the time, the doctor goes, "We put your heart into ventricular fibrillation and fired the defibrillator, or to see if the defibrillator would fire, and it fired just fine. So we tested the device."
1: Which made my eyes bug out of my head, <laughs> right?
0: Because you weren't entirely uh, aware not... that they were going to do that to you no. again.
1: No, you know who thought that's that's. I think that's putting me at risk. I know I'm that I was again, covered by cardiac people. If anybody, you had a
0: cardiologist right there mm. standing by. So I have everything written down, but I'm not really following the script exactly. I'm just going off the cuff because I want this to be as as honest and and. Real of a podcast as it can be, or real of a show. So, uh, the the second echocardiogram comes back normal, right? Which was the one that got done on Wednesday.
2: No, that's that wasn't what they expected.
0: That was not what the cardiologist was. Her expecting. heart got better. Her heart got better. So mm-hmm. the the weak uh, the cardiomyopathy that happened on that was evident on Monday was obviously the result of the cardiac event and not the cause of it. So, our cardiologist actually said, "I might not want to implant you with the, one of these devices, but he called up to uh the electrocardio people at the uh-huh. people that run that that department at Hopkins and said, discussed your case at length with them, and they said, mm, you should probably still get the defibrillator because even though she doesn't have any reason for this to have happened, she's already demonstrated that she can that this can happen to her right. just 49. because right, right.
2: Well, <laughs> just because you don't." know why it happened this time doesn't mean there isn't a cause right exactly Uh, and so because it's happened once it's still a good precaution to to go ahead with the uh the defibrillator uh, implanting
0: but here's the most horrifying part there is absolutely no known reason why this happened that's the scariest part of all it is idiopathic and in case you're wondering idiopathic is one of my least favorite healthcare (laughs) words
1: might be your favorite their least favorite it word at all. It just means we
2: don't know why. We
0: don't know why. And
1: I no hate
0: not knowing something, and and nothing more than why my wife went into cardiac arrest. I I really, yeah. really 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 hate not knowing why that happened, uh. And it's it's very nerve wracking. Um,
1: but when now we have Plan B. Well, A I guess it's Plan A. At right, this point, right now it is it's plan in there. A. It's if if something happens, and yeah, I love the fact that they tell me that uh.
0: That they tested it on you? No, that that oh. that was
1: horrifying. <laughs> Completely horrifying. I finally made it through that, and let's do it again. Let's see what happens. Right. I'm not your Lego robotics. Right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I like am two of four, grader. but let's not play that anymore, right. right? It's
2: like there's some seventh grader playing with their Lego like, robots. Oh,
1: my goodness. I mean, and I understand now that, you know, when you think about it, first you're like, what in the world? But when, when you think about the fact that they wanted to make sure that it worked, I totally get that. And actually, that is comforting now. But when you first hear that they put you back to the place you have fought all week to get away from, right, kind of scary, right, kind of scary.
0: But you came out with no ill effects. From I that
1: am event, wow, so I still get the
0: looks.
2: And now you're like Iron Man, right?
0: Uh, two of four. That's right. <laughs> That's your Borg designation. That's my Borg designation. <laughs> <You> Borg. <laughs> when when Kayla gets married,
1: I'll be two of three.
0: So, a week. <laughs> A week after uh, Lisa was out of the hospital, I actually did some research on the statistics. Oh, and I—I am that. so glad I didn't do this while, um, oh. while Lisa was in in the hospital. But the survival rate for, for cardiac arrest in the hospital is about twenty five percent. The survival rate for out of the hospital cardiac arrest is about ten percent. So, in other words, your odds of surviving cardiac arrest are two and a half times greater if you get to the hospital.
1: Well, you want to know how close I was at the hospital, remember? Right. When you turned and I went in and they wheeled me in, I remember it distinctly. And I, something my heart was just not – it was so – the rate was just – it's exactly right. It just was not feeling like it was beating properly. Right. And I and it wasn't chest pain, was it? There was no, I didn't feel like there was a knife. And that's what everybody says when you have a heart attack is as if you're being stabbed. You know, all the weight right. in the world is on your chest. And that is not what it felt like at all. Right. But I had the elbow and I had the the chin and- The pain radiating the up pain the jaw. The pain radiating up. And I, I was like, well, you know, I have to go get changed. This was upstairs. I was in the craft room. Mm-hmm. And- um. I went into our bedroom and got dressed because nobody was going to catch me in those radio clothes on a Sunday. Yeah, I know. It sounds terrible now. So I went downstairs. I called you. I unlocked and cracked the front door um, because you hear all these terrible things of them not being able to, you know, have right, a hard time EMTs getting in. Right, EMTs can't get in, right? Yeah. So they came in. Every they second did what counts. they were supposed to do. You came home. They put me out there, and I watched as they followed. Um
0: as I followed you over as you
1: followed uh over, and then I was so afraid the last time I saw you was when you kept going straight and I turned off mm-hmm. they got me into the e d and pushed me up against the nurse, and I just remember staring at the door waiting for you to come mm-hmm. and the the uh, e m t kept coming over how you doing how you doing i said, i'm not good, it's not good it's not good. my husband's not here. where is he It's not good. And he says, honey, we're going to take good care of you. And he went around to the nurse's station. And then I remember turning my head and looking over towards where he walked. I don't remember seeing the nurse saying, something's really wrong. And that's it. That's all I remember.
0: Until Tuesday morning.
1: Until little bits and pieces of the Tuesday morning. I do remember hitting the cordy board. Um. And communicating that way and and wanting to know if my mom knew. I remember wanting to know where Kayla was. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being really hot. And I remember trying to say, to tell somebody I was hot. But when you have that tube in your throat, and I talked like I expected, like I'm talking now, all I got was air. And that was terrifying.
0: Right. And me telling you not to talk.
1: Um, that was so terrifying and um, that's all I, I just remember that's, and then you know I feel very blessed and scared to not know why it happened it's you know you live through it over and over again I was afraid to go to sleep I was really afraid to go into the second surgery to the surgery mm-hmm. that was that was very scary yeah. I just please just put me out you get to the point where you're waiting waiting you had to leave and I totally understand it but Kay, you know Kayla and Joey were there and my parents were there at that point, too. Right. Your parents came down for that. Um, there was like six people. My mom I, was there, your, Angela yeah, there. Angela and Garth were there. Yeah. Angela and Garth. You know, I was just amazed by all that, that came. Um, but the anesthesiologist, I looked at her. I said, I'm I'm really scared. I'm scared to go under. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And she says, honey, I'm going to take good care of you. And so they wheeled me back. And I just remember, just, just go ahead and put me out. Just please just put me just get out. Get it over with. Just, right. just, just, I don't want, I want to wake up and be over with this. I just, so um, she says, I'm going to start and that's all, I <laughs> I'm going to start. And I don't even think she got the whole start out Right. when I was gone and right. I could not have been happier. Um, and then all I remember is, wait, I don't even remember waking up. I don't remember the point at which I started to communicate after the surgery. Mm. I don't. But I'm happy that that's over and right. that.
0: And you did manage to go home the next day.
1: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, that yeah. was Friday. On Saturday. And we came 14th. home. Yeah. You had your
0: surgery done on Friday the 13th.
1: Yeah. I did. Oh, my gosh. You know, and I didn't know that? Yeah. Bonnie spent the night on Friday night because you had your test and you had to be rested for that particular day. Thursday
0: night. Thursday night. Thursday yeah.
1: night because you spent Friday night. I spent Friday That's night. That's right. You. It was Thursday night. Right. That was the night they moved me out of ICU because right. she came prepared to stay at the ICU. And then about 1130, they moved us to our room.
0: That's right. I said they moved you out on Friday morning, but they didn't. They moved you out Thursday night. Thursday night around right. midnight
1: because she slept on that couch. That's 100% That was correct. a really good night's sleep for me. I remember because they didn't have a light on. Uh-huh. It wasn't the cost. And, you know, you hear code blue a lot in the ICU. Yeah. That's a very scary place. Uh, they is. were unbelievable. I have, from the phone call to 911, which I have never called in my life. Mm-hmm. And and I was obviously scared and crying. Um, To the EMTs that came, who were absolutely wonderful. Who watched me even in the emergency room, because they knew how scared I was. And they said they wouldn't leave me until you came. I cannot imagine what you went through that day. What the whole family went through. And um, down to the friends, but it's something that was completely unexpected i just i'm healthy for the most part i right. mean i had no there's no reason
0: there's it should
2: have no happened there's no
1: reason for this
0: no reason it should
2: have it happened it was totally unexpected we I'm uh healthy. well i mean i was sitting on the couch watching a football game mhm like there was no i had didn't know why you would called me you you know you called me because i figured well sometimes kayla doesn't pick up her phone and you called me because sometimes. you're like because <laughs> you're like well you pick up your phone all the time so right And I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe he's calling and say, hey, maybe we can swing by later or something like that. Um, And then, uh, yeah, that then it just kind of, you know, Kayla was really, she was, it seemed like she was in shock Mm -hmm. um, and then she handed me back the phone and then you told me what happened, uh, Joe, and then I, uh, you know, I, you know, hung up the phone and. Like, I thought for like a half a second, I'm like, all right, uh, we need to get changed. We need to go. Like, I threw, I had a jersey on, and I threw that off, and I, th- we, we threw our shoes on in the hallway mm-hmm. and ran to the garage. Um, You know, so. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, and I told her, I told Kayla, I said, I'll drive. This is your mom. Right. Uh, I'm not, you know, that's, you're probably not in the best state to drive. And so, I think the, the number one thing, though, that hit me about all this mm-hmm. was when we needed to try to keep uh, you from pulling the tube out because there you were unconscious, but there would be moments where you would look like you woke up and would look directly in our eyes like, help me.
1: Right. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jake. And
2: that's and like while you're holding, while I'm holding your arm down, and then you open your eyes and look me right in the eyes, like, my "Help oh me." me. <laughs> and I was like, Phew.
1: "Oh my gosh, it's tough."
2: That that it makes it, you know, because sometimes you try to put it out of your mind because you're just like, "Just do this, right. get it done," and something like that really makes it real.
0: Yeah. Mm. It's tough, but we we tell this story. Uh, Because, like I said before, your chances of surviving a cardiac arrest event are two and a half times greater if you're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So if you have these symptoms, don't ignore them, number one. Yeah, it's amazing. And call 911. uh, Because the EMTs or the paramedics who come are, are the people trained to keep you alive. Uh, as long as b- before you can, so they even have defibrillators with them, so they can actually start administering that kind of therapy as well on the way in.
1: Yeah, I wasn't even in the hospital three minutes when I went into cardiac arrest. Right, that's how quick it
2: was. And Joe, when when I showed up with Kayla, what was the first thing I asked you?
0: Uh, I, I honestly well, I don't okay. remember. I asked
2: you. <laughs> Because you you explained what happened, right? And then I, and basically you said her heart had stopped. Yes. And I said, where was she when this happened? Right. And she and everything... you said it was in the room. And I said, well, then that's of all possible places right. that was the best because now they there was people there that could do CPR. My next question was, are, did they do CPR? They immediately? did CPR the entire time, which which is what kept the blood
0: flowing to her brain and broke my sternum <laughs> and
1: broke
2: her yes, sternum. Yes, yeah. which happens. <laughs> yeah. And oh, when yeah. and I've. It's two
1: inches, they have to go down to keep your heart. Yes, moving. Right. they've.
2: I've been CPR trained, mm-hmm. and for multiple reasons, and that is the number one thing they say is just do compressions. Right, and don't. You'll hear sometimes you'll hear people's. You'll hear crunching. Don't stop. Keep going. Do right. not stop doing compressions. That's the number one thing. Keep the blood moving. Right. So Thirty they, minutes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Also, don't try to take yourself to the ER or to the ED. Yeah, don't call nine one one. You were ten minutes away, and right. I like, I, "And you're like, don't the, don't even change." The, the it. amount of time it took me to get back into the ED was a lot longer than it would have taken if I'd have driven you to the ED. We wouldn't have made it in time. No, three so minutes in there. The 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 ambulance goes in through a different way, and they go they wheel you right in uh, to 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 the place where if you if you go into cardiac arrest, you're going to get immediate care. Uh, you do not want to have any kind of cardiac event out in the lobby of the hospital. You want to have that in the ED if you're going to have it at all.
2: And like you said, the entire trip, you're also being escorted, escorted by EMTs. Escorted by people who are you know exactly what to do watching. in the right. event of a cardiac arrest.
0: Exactly, uh, th- and that's that's the benefit. Um, and the other thing, and this is going to sound kind of gross, okay, but <laughs> this is one hundred percent true. When Lisa was talking to me on the phone.
1: Yeah, we kind of skipped over this. (laughs) Yeah.
0: She said, I feel like I have to poop. And I said, whatever you do, don't poop. And the reason I I say this is because my brother is an EMT as well. Uh, He works in fire and rescue. Uh, And uh, he was telling me a couple of years ago about, you know, we were going over heart attack symptoms because I had had uh, some kind of – pleurisy in my chest years ago and went into the ER and said, my chest hurts. And and they go, come on back right now. And I I was like, my chest doesn't hurt that way, but it hurts. Um, You know, it wasn't, it was obviously wasn't a cardiac event, but um, uh, anyway, he said, well, you know, one of the things I never tell you is if you have to poop, don't poop. Because yep. he says a lot of times you'll feel like when you're having a cardiac event, you'll feel like you need to go to the bathroom. And people will say, well, before the ambulance goes, I better – before exactly the ambulance gets here, I better go to the bathroom. And they go into the bathroom, and that's where the EMTs find them, dead on the toilet. Yep. So don't do that. that. your and, body
1: starting the –
0: Well, yeah. It's, it's a, like a panic response, I think. Yep. It's emptying out. So we have – Way too many people to thank. Oh, my gosh. And I am oh, going to absolutely leave people off this list. And please do not be offended if I leave you off this list. We just have way too many people. I'll
1: try and listen to see if I can add.
0: To say thank you. And please, if anybody else, if you guys have anybody you want to thank. But first off, I'd like to thank everybody at Howard County Fire and Rescue, especially the EMTs and paramedics from the Banneker Station.
1: 911
0: people. The 911 operator uh, was great. Everyone over at Howard County General Hospital, including Dr. Hooperkar, Dr. Shah, Dr. Amit, Dr. Chiridian and Dr. Lopez, and our cardiology team of Dr. Friedman, Dr. Schwartz, and Dr. Silverman. Um, all the nurses who were outstanding. Oh, my God. They were all amazing, every single one of them. Uh, uh, professionally, I'd like to thank Graham Cluley for sitting in for me on the Hacking Humans podcast, and for Dave Bittner for taking care of the podcast while I was out, and for everyone over at the Cyberwire for the nice uh, gift box they sent over of apples. That was very nice. The apples are delicious.
2: Trying um, to keep those doctors away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of apples. Right. That's uh, a good one. I like that. I really want to
0: thank Chad and Jen Fackler.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh,
0: they, uh, you know, we don't call Chad super listener, Chad and Jen super listener, Jen, for no reason. Uh, they sent a, just a nice blanket and a nice note. And when we both opened it, we got a little, got a little choked up. A little weepy, that's for sure. Yep. Give me a second. All right. I also want to thank everybody for all the prayers. I especially want to thank father John from OLPH and father, uh, father, I'm probably going to butcher this name. Uh, father George, I just going to say father George from St. Gregorius, uh, Orth- Indian Orthodox church. Uh, I want to thank Reverend Donnell Miller. I want to thank the students and faculty over at Notre Dame prep. I want to thank Bonnie and everybody over at 4c for their prayers. Um, and I want to thank everybody who sent cards and flowers and came to visit in the hospital. Um, I want to thank uh, Lisa and Sheila for stopping by. I want to thank mm-hmm. Gail for coming in. Gail, who came in. Oh, my in. gosh. Gail's uh, we've friend-
1: been best friends for like since I was five. Right. And she came in. First of all, she was in utter shock. She came in, um, and I looked at her, and I smiled, and she just – that was another I, phone call I hated a, making. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then she came back another time. And she she brought a bag of makeup. She knows me. Right. She says, oh, how can you let her sit here like this? This isn't Lisa. So she puts my makeup on like we're five again. It was so adorable. And she did my hair. And I felt like me again. It was absolutely the sweet one of the sweetest things. Um, Bonnie right. came and spent the night when you couldn't, so I'm not alone. Right. It was... Oh, our friends Andrew Garth and Andrew and Angela. They spent, spent the us. first night. Remember when we come home that day? Yes, that we came they spent home. the first night with oh us my at home. Gosh. That was nice.
0: Uh, Kirk and Christina, who came over. Uh, <laughs> Maria, Eric, and Maria, and Allison and Elizabeth. The
1: names go on and on. It was just and Brian. They got to the point where they just said, "Oh, you're here to see Lisa." And They just Tammy didn't even have to Evan. look up oh, our room number
2: when we went to uh, to your room after you had your surgery. Uh, we went to the desk, and we said, hey, uh, we're, so we're here to see Lisa. And they're like, oh, wow, she's really popular. <laughs> it's getting really crowded up there. It is.
1: My brother was in town with Oh, yeah, with
0: Billy yeah. and Christina. Christina. thank you. That's right. Christine. Thank you for coming by. Christine.
1: <laughs> I know. My sister's name's Christina, and my brother marries a woman named Christine. It's kind of difficult times. <laughs> well, my no, aunt,
2: how Mary could you do Jim. that? How could you do my that? My cousin
0: Sarah and her fiance John, thank you for stopping by.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: I'm sure I'm leaving people out. Mary. Yep.
1: Just so many people. I just can't even I just I've never felt so loved. Your mother never left. My parents came.
0: Yep. Your parents came, your mom and dad. Too many people to thank. And we want to thank you all. So uh that's that's why we haven't had a podcast out for about three weeks. Um but we're gonna uh unfortunately we're not gonna have a podcast out again next week. Due to some travel problems, I have to go out of town this coming week. And immediately after that, Jake has to go out of town. Both of these are business trips. Um, But don't worry. Lisa has people spending the night with her. Yeah. But pray. uh...
1: I'll take all your prayers.
0: Right. All your prayers. Because I'm
1: still healing.
0: Right. Uh, So I want to thank all of our listeners for sticking around. And I want to thank everybody for for. For bearing with us through this, and I promise, after Jake gets back from his trip, we're gonna go to Aldi, and we're gonna. gonna I'm bringing a bag of quarters. I'm just gonna say it.
2: Episode,
1: right? Uh,
0: We're gonna try to get that hundredth episode done.
1: I'm not eating at that place though.
0: (laughs) Oh, a Boston chicken or Boston market? No, me neither.
2: Oh no. Let well. uh, I think we should do Boston Market another time. We'll just focus on Aldi. We'll just do
1: Aldi? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, another road trip. Well, I can't yeah. drive, so we can't right. do it driving That's with right. Lisa down. 29 you know what? You're right,
2: and maybe I'll have to do the uh, be the other <laughs> guinea pig. All right, everybody. Thanks. I'm looking
1: forward to getting back to the the, the, the back to the routines. This back is to just, the routine of the other part po- of the regular it, podcast. It, my life. Yeah. I just you know everything looks different and feels different, and um, I feel I, I've, I've asked you repeatedly again. How does this machine work? Um, I'm nervous about it. Uh, I don't you think know, you need to be nervous know, about it. I know, but it just can't help that I am. Life has just, just uh, gave us a big curveball, and I really feel blessed to yeah. be here.
2: Lisa, I would argue that the worst possible thing you could do is be nervous about that thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with Jake. I would say
0: remain calm or remember our new slogan.
2: Remain calm. It is
0: what it, it
1: is. It is what it is. How many times did I say that? Over again? I'm going to cross-stitch that in a pillow.
0: It is what it is. It is what it is. And we're not going to worry and about it And we are anymore. not going to worry about Chances it. Chances are it's insignificant.
1: Yep. No, we've we visited uh, through a lot. Um, one of the things, when we came home, remember the clock going off?
0: Oh, the, there's a clock in our... <laughs> There's a clock in our uh, in our living or family room that I absolutely hate. And it's it's this cheap <laughs> clock that we got right after we got married and it makes this horrible Winchester or Westminster chimes, whatever I can what that called, you know, bong, 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 bong. But it makes it with like this sawtooth or square wave from a from a cheap two dollar clock exactly. motion. Exactly. And it sounds so cheap and I hate this clock. And I always told Lisa, I said, when you die, I'm going to put that clock inside your coffin. That that was the joke. And she says, well, if you die, I'm putting that clock inside your coffin. <laughs> I'm like, I will haunt you if you do that to me. <laughs> but uh, we were sitting on the couch after she came home on Saturday. And that clock went off. And I was actually happy to hear it.
1: Yeah. We just looked at each other and went, just smiled at one another. I said... Not your worst clock ever, is it anymore? I still hate it. Still hate <laughs> clock.
0: I'm just happy to hear it.
1: What was weird is that that Sunday morning we were talking about stuff.
0: We were. It's so. We were talking. Uh, the funny thing is that the the Sunday morning you had this yep. event, I, I we were saying that I was saying that if if anything ever happened to you, that I would probably never get married again. And If I did get married again, I would probably only marry somebody who had been widowed.
1: Yeah, we were talking about burial spots. I mean, we really were talking about I don't about. know why we were talking about that Sunday morning. It my last cup of coffee. Yeah, you haven't had a cup I of coffee no since I no then. desire to have coffee at all. That's it's probably the for the best weird. right I'm, now. I'm on tea and have been eating crazy. I came home. I had gained <laughs> 24 pounds. That was eye-opening. I ate three crackers for a week, and I gained 24 pounds. Now, granted, it was all liquid that they were – they were pump pump pumping in, a lot of fluid nourishment. And all my into fluids, intravenously, right? But and all of that weight's gone plus some, but that was uh that was hard to look at. We both just looked at it like
0: Yeah, because we were totally expecting you would lose weight in hospital, but you did
2: not. <laughs> Twenty
1: four pounds. That was absolutely this that was terrible.
2: I think it was good because it kept you alive. <laughs> okay, well we right.
1: can look at it that way. But it's yeah. gone now, so and it's yay. i I feel like I'm everything's becoming fine. back to me. Yep. So I feel blessed beyond words and thank you for all your prayers it mean it meant a lot and um thanks
0: All right, everybody. we'll see you in a couple of weeks.